Welcome to the OT Potential Podcast, where each week we review one influential OT-related journal article. Welcome to the podcast, everyone. I'm your host, Sarah Lyon, OTRL, and I'm so thankful that you are taking time from your busy OT life to join us today. This is a big week here in Aurora, Nebraska. It is the week of the county fair, which means many people take off work and spend their time down at the fairgrounds. My Facebook feed is flooded with pictures of goats and giant rabbits and funnel cake. Uh, which I guess means for us that summer is starting to draw to a close and school is on the horizon, which I know is really significant for those of you who are in school-based OT. Here at OT Potential, we've had a busy and fun week. We put out a blog post with information on free CEUs that are available online. This is content that people have been asking me for probably for several years now. Um, I know many of us go to conferences or have an online subscription, but every now and then you're just like one or two CEU short and you don't want to sign up for a big subscription service. So there are some quality free CEUs out there that we list in this blog post. So if you're interested, I encourage you to check it out on the otpotential.com blog. And most significantly for people who are either in the OT Potential Club or thinking about it, we have been running a giveaway, a drawing during the month of July. Medbridge Education has agreed to give away one free subscription to a lucky drawing winner um, who is part of the OT Potential Club. So if you've been thinking about joining our online journal club, this is the month to do it. All you have to do is sign up for the club and then comment in our thread about the giveaway to let us know that you are interested in receiving this free subscription. If you're not familiar with MedBridge, it is an online platform where you can get all of your CEUs. You watch them as videos. And then they also have live webinars, which meet a lot of the live requirements that many states have. Uh, you still have to check with your individual state, but that's what they are intended for. And honestly, it's just probably the premium CEU option that is on the market. I've been a big fan of them for many years. Uh, I've been an affiliate for... I don't know, like three or four years, and they have always been so supportive of OT Potential, and it is just a partnership that I really enjoy. If the deadline of your license is looming and you're like, I need my CEUs now, I can't chance it for this drawing, I did want you to know that they cut a special promo code for our podcast, which is just OT Podcast. So when you're checking out at MedBridge, you can use this promo code and you will receive the absolute lowest price that an individual subscriber can receive to MedBridge. So without further ado, let's dive into this week's article. I'm excited about this article for many reasons, and one of them being that it just has a really simple title that is easy to understand, unlike some of our previous weeks. This week's journal article title is Complex Regional Pain Syndrome, colon, An Optimistic Perspective. This article comes to us from the Journal of Neurology, 
This is the Journal of the American Academy of Neurology. Its impact factor is 8.6, which means that it is a fairly influential journal, maybe about twice as influential as our American Journal of Occupational Therapy, AJOT, which has an impact factor around three. This article was published in 2015, and it is ranked 21st on our list of the 50 most influential OT-related articles. So I was really excited to have another journal article about occupational therapy and pain management. That is definitely a trend that we've seen in the research that we've looked at so far, that pain management and rehab is something that researchers are really interested in looking at, which is obviously good news as the opioid crisis continues to make headlines. I don't know if you've been following, but uh, there's been recent lawsuits against Johnson & Johnson for their role in basically flooding the market with opioids. And as we all know that this reliance on painkillers has just taken a staggering toll on American families. So this is a really important topic, really timely, and it's good to see that this has been a focus of research. Now, this article is looking specifically at complex regional pain syndrome, which is abbreviated CRPS. And this is the second article that we've reviewed about CRPS. The first one is actually just within my journal club. I didn't do a podcast about it. But in 2018, when I pulled a list of the 10 most influential OT-related articles in the past 10 years, uh, an article on CRPS was at the top, and it was from 2013. And this first article that I reviewed gave really concrete treatment ideas for occupational therapists to use. The article was actually co-written by an OT so I guess what I'm getting at is that if you're really interested in this topic, I encourage you to go check out this original article because it is a great pairing with the current article that we're looking at about CRPS. The article that we're looking at today really gives us a good broad update on the management of CRPS. It came out in 2015, but in the reading that I've done about CRPS this week, a lot of the information still feels really current about kind of where we're at with the management of this condition. As the title implies, the article is Optimistic News for Patients Who Suffer from CRPS. The article estimates that in the absence of confounding factors, the rate of substantial recovery for these patients exceeds 50%. And a 50% recovery rate is a much better rate of recovery than was once thought for these patients with CRPS. So there really is hope for substantial recovery. Obviously, we still have a long ways to go since it is only 50%, but it is better than what we were once led to believe. And this article is also really optimistic for occupational therapists and the impact that we can have in the lives of these patients. Um, the article explicitly states that physical therapy and occupational therapy is essential as a treatment option for these patients. So before I dive into specifics about OT and CRPS, I wanted to highlight some of the big picture considerations that this article outlined for these patients, uh, and that will then segue us nicely into OT and the treatment of it. 
So like many of the diseases that we look at, the mechanisms behind CRPS are not fully understood. We still don't totally understand um, what is triggering this pain syndrome for these patients. But the diagnostic criteria is getting better, and we are just getting a better picture of the course of this disease uh, thanks to MRIs and brain imaging. But typically for these patients, symptoms of pain begin to emerge typically four to six weeks following a trauma. Uh, this could be like a wrist fracture or a stroke where there's flaccidity. And all of a sudden, there will start to be typically pain symptoms that can't be explained by the initial nerve trauma. For example, the pain was starting to get better, then all of a sudden it's starting to get worse again. And then the other thing that happens is the symptoms typically expand beyond the innervation territories of the initial nerve damage. So if you had that wrist fracture, your pain might be expanding and radiating throughout a larger portion of your arm. So I guess in my own words, I would say that during this early stage of CRPS, that the peripheral nervous system is acting funky and malfunctioning in ways that we don't fully understand. But then when you get to three to six months, if the symptoms persist or they worsen, uh, you kind of get to a point where the pain syndrome can no longer be explained by a peripheral pathophysiology alone. And what the research alludes to is that something's happening at the brain and central nervous system level where it's actually reorganizing itself to react to this pain uh, because you're entering a more chronic stage. So basically the neuroplasticity of our brain is working against you in this case because it's been coping with, with this pain for so long. It starts reorganizing itself to try to compensate for that and Lots of times it does that in a way that may not actually be functionally helpful for these patients. And the article highlighted some MRI studies that have been able to confirm that patients who get to this chronic stage of CRPS can actually have a reduction in gray matter in regions of the brain that are important for stress processing. So again, these uh, areas that are processing the stress of the pain are being fundamentally altered by being in pain for so long. So the research is really starting to show a differentiation between this early stage where you have what seems to be a malfunctioning of the peripheral nervous system to this chronic phase where the brain and the central nervous system are actually reorganizing themselves, trying to compensate for that pain. And it's in this early stage of CRPS where research seems to be pointing to that therapy is the most effective. If we can start working with these patients before they enter the chronic phase, our therapy is going to have the most impact. So the article alludes to and other treatment guidelines for CRPS that I read really said that as soon as the diagnosis is made that a referral to therapy should also be made because we really, really want to get to with these patients before they've been experiencing symptoms at that three to six month window. And this article stated this and other guidelines that I looked at stated this, that physical and occupational therapy really are a first line of treatment for these patients. Um, lots of times they will have pain management medications, but those medications are really to help them get through therapy. They're really seen as an adjunct to the really important work that's going on in PT and OT. 
So let's look at the specifics about what the article said um, about how occupational therapy can be involved in the treatment of CRPS. Foremost, it highlighted that patients should be encouraged to use the affected extremity, even if this is associated with a gradual increase in pain. One of the worst things that can happen and something that commonly happens without therapy is that patients just stop using the affected extremity. And in those worst case scenarios, you see contractures, you see learned non-use. So our foremost goal is just to encourage patients to be using that affected limb. The article definitely cautions, however, that it's extremely important that when you're testing the boundaries of this pain um, and as we're encouraging patients to do activities that can be painful for them, that this should be done within a safe therapeutic relationship so as to not increase the fear of the pain, which could then like spiral and lead to further functional impairment. So it's a really fine line that we're walking with these patients of encouraging them to use the affected limb, but not increasing their fear of that pain. And so really important in all this is that the patients must be educated to understand that unlike other pain that they have experienced and how pain is supposed to function, uh, that this pain is not associated with actual tissue damage. When they're experiencing that pain, that doesn't mean that they're causing further harm to their extremity, but that this pain is arising from a malfunctioning of the peripheral and central nervous system mechanisms. So it's obviously difficult to relearn this association with pain and really takes a therapist there to walk them through this understanding. So in addition to this primary goal of just increasing functional use of the affected extremity, the article also mentioned mirror therapy, which has been found to be the most effective in the acute stage, and graded motor imagery and graded exposure in vivo or in real life. The previous article that I mentioned really walked through mirror therapy and graded motor imagery really well, so I won't repeat that here. And actually the article only said a couple sentences about that, but I wanted to highlight the graded exposure therapy. This is simply when the patient identifies the daily tasks that feel the most dangerous or the most threatening and pain inducing. And then with the therapist, they walk through these tasks step by step and repeat them until the fear and anxiety about the pain is gradually reduced. Finally, I wanted to mention that the article highlighted an assessment that you can use. It is called the CRPS Severity Score. It was really hard to find it, but I was able to find it and I will link to it in the OT Potential Club uh, for those of you who are interested. So what were my big takeaways from this article? I had two of them for occupational therapy practitioners. The first is that there are certainly special considerations for CRPS patients, but overall occupational therapists are well poised to be the first line of care for these patients using our go-to skill set. From what we understand from the research that is out there is that these patients benefit from engaging in functional tasks along with professional guidance to cope with and problem solve 
through their pain. The therapeutic use of self, patient education, and focus on patients' unique functional goals seem to be very important for these patients. Um, And all of this should sound very familiar to occupational therapists. This is our jam, it's our core skill set. And so when you have a CRPS patient walk through your door, even if it's not a diagnosis that you've seen frequently, you should feel really confident that the core treatments that you are used to delivering will be really helpful for these patients. And if you look at that CRPS assessment that I mentioned and explore those other specific modalities that you will be well on your way to providing what we know to be the best care for these patients at this time. My second big takeaway is that we need to be working with our doctors to make sure that these patients are getting to us as soon as possible. The timing of therapy is an ongoing discussion that we've had in the club. From what we're reading in multiple diagnoses, there are just windows of time where therapy is particularly effective. I do want to mention that just like with chronic stroke and chronic CRPS, you can still see gains. So don't be discouraged if you um, have a patient who has been dealing with this for a year. You can still see gains in those chronic stages. Neuroplasticity is still active, but it's especially active in these early stages. Um, and that's when we really want to be seeing these patients. And this is what I really want to be uh, hopefully talking about in the club this week is what are the best ways to be educating our doctors, especially our general practice doctors, that as soon as they see a patient um, where they are suspecting CRPS, it's really important to get them that order for therapy. The article specifically said, better treat one too many than one too few. Um, So because it is kind of a gray diagnostic criteria for CRPS that if doctors even suspect it, that it seems to be a good idea to just get these patients to therapy. And this week I've been thinking about how I would share this information with the general practice doctors that I work with and I'll just be really curious to hear people's thoughts on um, how we can be working together as a whole healthcare team uh, to be seeing these patients in the early stages, getting them the medication that they need to ultimately be getting that early rehab for CRPS. So that is all I have for you today on this journal article. As I've alluded to, the podcast is an extension of the OT Potential Club. The OT Potential Club is your online journal club, and that is really where these article reviews really come to life. I not only have a written review of the article, but I also include exclusive information about assessments and documentations, uh, this time specifically related to CRPS. I also included some resources for patients, some online support groups that are out there. One of the benefits of the club is that you can search within our database to really drill into any specific treatment cases that you are in the middle of. For example, if you search CRPS, you'll see not only this broad overview that we went over, but also that previous article that I mentioned that really drilled down into the specific treatment modalities. And as I already mentioned, we do have a forum, which is my favorite part of the club. Each article that we go over has a discussion where you can have the opportunity to ask questions and also share what is and isn't working in your practice. 
And if that's not enough, you'll also find monthly bonus gifts from fieldwork manuals to infographics of the research that we've gone over that will elevate your practice and give you even more confidence every day. So just visit our URL to find out more. It is otpotential.com club. Right now, you can sign up at our founding member rate, which is $25 per year. We're going to be increasing the price this fall, so I encourage you to sign up now as a founding member. Uh, if you sign up at that $25 level, you'll be locked in at $25 every year you renew as long as you keep your subscription active. Again, the URL is otpotential.com club. Finally, an OT evidence-based solution at your fingertips. Thank you for joining me today and give great care this week.